0: Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. So, you know, I I was going to have this big old demonstration with my kids about how Mother's Day is bigger than Father's Day, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let you all just work through it. You walk in the grocery store, they got one balloon for the dads, but brothers, we still fighting on, baby, still fighting on. Nah, but, so, uh, got a little question for you. You know, last time, Modern Auto asked about uh, mothers that were your favorite characters in TV or movies. So, I'm going to give a little bit of an opportunity to do the same thing for our dads. So, what was your favorite TV dad or your favorite movie dad? Uncle Phil, I knew he was going to be first. Homer Simpson. <laughs> Cosby, yeah. So, that was mine. Brother Cosby. I relate with Cosby because of his uh, medical background. Carl Winslow. Yeah, Carl was a good one. Great. All right. Great I don't even know who that is, man. So, you know, we got some good dads here representing the crew. James from Good Times. Now, some of y'all millennials and Gen Zers don't even know what that's about. Go check out Good Times. You got to get Good Times. So uh, thank y'all for that, Um, and Cosby is winning. I figure Cosby, oh, Uncle Phil just got back up there. All right. So here's a picture of my dad. This is my favorite dad. So this is Daddy Jackson, as Tasha calls him, and this was on his 81st birthday this past year. And Dad, I know you will probably be watching this, uh, and so to all of our uh, YouTube family out there, Um, thank you for showing me how to be a man. Thank you for being uh, a man that laid down an example of what it looks like to take care of his family. Now, with that being said, me and Daddy Jackson didn't always see eye to eye. (laughs) Now, that dude wanted me to do what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to go to Xavier for undergrad because he thought I'd get in medical school. He'll say, no, I want to go to a place that got a football team. I want to party, Jack. (laughs) And there were other things that me and him didn't see eye to eye on. But we had to have some very tough conversations and be very open with one another. And so as he has, you know, gone through different seasons of life and some health issues have arose... I had to learn a heart of forgiveness on some of those issues. And we as dads, and I'm going to bring the moms along with us today as well, as parents, we can kind of have that mindset as well of, I want my kid to be here, but they're here. And we put expectations on our children, and we do that, And then we wonder where all of our anxiety and frustration comes from. Because we want them to be little (laughs) mini-me's. Now, as dads, and all kinds of dads, we are critical for the mobilization of the next generation. Check out these statistics here from the US Census Bureau in 2020. 20 million children under the age of 18 are in a home without a father. That's 25% of kids under the age of 18. This slide here shows some of the negative connotations that happen when we don't have dads in the household. More likely to go to prison, more likely to commit a crime, more likely to become pregnant as a teen abuse neglect drugs alcohol when you look at where does the racial disparity look like for this you can see in the blue bar that represents black children green bar hispanic or brown children the numbers are astronomical anywhere between 57% and 67% of young men do not have a dad in the home. And we see all of the gun violence that's happening in our cities. And we know that facts are facts. And so when you have a man in the home, there's a decreased chance that the child will carry a gun or deal drugs. So God has given us a way to deal with the issues that we have going on in our society. He gives us a way to work through it to be united with our children. And that's the title of my message today, Family United. God gives us an incredible story of what this really should look like, what it can look like. And today we're going to use this particular movie to illustrate that point. The Little Mermaid. Now, this is the New Age one. How many of y'all seen the New Age one? All right. So it's not too far off from the original one, so I'm not spoiling anything for anybody. But this is a cool film because we can see there's a little bit different dynamic going on in some of the characters, okay? Uh, we are well represented in this film. So uh, amen to Hollywood. Now, we can clap it up. So, you know, everybody thinks the Disney stories are, especially with the queens and the princesses, is a, a love story. And that's no doubt. But if you look at this movie a little bit deeper, this is really a daddy's issue movie. <laughs> King Trident wants to do things his way. And Ariel is like, look here, man, I got something else I want for myself. I want to get to know what's out there. And they go into a battle and trying to move forward together, and they struggle with figuring that out. And so as we look at the heart of what God's story is, we're going to look at the story of Joseph and Jacob and their relational dynamic. So turn over to Genesis chapter 46. Genesis chapter 46. Now, last year, uh, Mike and I did a message on the Lion King for Blockbuster Summer, and, uh, you know, we kind of talked more about what Joseph was dealing with from his perspective. And so very briefly, Joseph, the son of Jacob, his, his, his true born, the one that he wants to take the mantle, right? He was thrown in a pit. His brothers were all mad, angry at him. So from Joseph's perspective, my dad threw me in a pit because my dad told me to go hang with my brothers. So I'm feeling a certain type of way about my dad. He set me up. He sent me to the pit, but then on the other side of it we have Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh took Jacob, I mean took Joseph out of the pit. His coat that his dad gave him, his brothers took it away and you know, threw it back to dad, rubbed blood on it to show him that Joseph was dead. Well, Pharaoh gave him new clothes, gave him new wife, and from that new children. And so this dynamic that Joseph was working with was, I despise my dad, quite honestly. I mean, it's even so deep that he names his children in Genesis chapter 48, verse 5, he named his children Manasseh and Ephraim, which means, Manasseh means I forget my father's house and I forget my pain. Ephraim is God has blessed me in my suffering. That brother was feeling a certain type of way, let me tell you now. The name his children to forget his dad. But through it all, Joseph remained spiritual and righteous. So let me just side point. Let me talk to the men. Men, stay in your Bibles. When you are going through struggle and pain and trial, tribulation, stay in your Bibles. If we are going to be men of God, that equals men of the Bible. It will never steer us wrong. Genesis chapter 46, verse 29. Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father, Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. So, Judah, who is one of Joseph's brothers, you know, let the truth out, told him what happened. And Joseph was like, oh, man, dude, I had no idea. And so at this point, Joseph had finally let it go. He had finally got the other side of the story and knew that his dad was really there trying to search for him. So he had built a conviction of Forgiveness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 tells us, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Brothers and sisters, how are we really feeling about the dads in our life right now? And I know this may be a mixed bag But I believe that we have to move in this direction of openness and authenticity and humility to be able to, you know, partner with God. So grateful, hopeful, at peace, disappointed. Appreciate that. That is real. There is love. Conflicted. Moving forward with grace. See, this is what we are really dealing with. But the power of God in this room is grateful because there are some incredible dads that are in our lives. Amen. Amen. So these are dads that have tried the best they could. These are dads that have tried and maybe blown it. These are dads that maybe didn't even try and they've been absent. And these are dads that are no longer with us. But I encourage us and ask us, how are we doing when it comes to forgiveness, reconciliation, and unity with our dads? Maybe like Joseph, we just need to get the other side of the story and sit down and have a conversation with him. Sometimes we, we talk and we keep it superficial and we don't really get to the heart of the matter. I've experienced that with my own father. And it's going to take some time. You're going to need help. You're going to need deep, healthy spiritual relationships here in the church. You're going to need pastoral counseling. You may even need professional counseling. And Jackson, I know you probably say, Jackson, I already got the other side of the story, boss man. I already got it. And it is what it is. Can you still move toward forgiveness reconciliation and unity we have to have grace for our dads they were they are and they will not be perfect but they make a difference in our lives amen so as we look at it from the dad perspective now brother jacob he was still not there I don't know if we've ever noticed this section of Scripture. A lot of times we read over some of these family dynamic relational things. But when Joseph got his heart squared away, he invited the whole family, move down to Egypt. I'm second in command. I run this joint. Whatever y'all want, the best land in Egypt I can give you. Dad, you want a palace? You got it. It would be like giving your father a 10,000-square-foot house, giving him a, a Lambo, a Ferrari, a pickup truck, whatever he wanted. You're giving this to him. So you would figure at this point everything would be copacetic between you and your dad. But that wasn't the case. Jacob was still working through it. Flip over to Genesis chapter 47 with me. Genesis chapter 47. And we're going to be in verse 28. Verse 28. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years. And the years of his life were 147. When the time drew near for Israel to die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, I have found favor in your eyes. Put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I will do as you say, he said. Swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. In other translations, it would be bowed in worship at the head of the bed. Why do you wait 17 years? to finally get your son and the relationship y'all have squared away. Joseph had let it go. He was the one who had the issues to begin with. But Jacob was still feeling salty. 17 years. Things were not squashed. They were not good at all. And the reason was there was a relational triangle going on between Joseph and Jacob and Pharaoh. Remember Joseph's perspective of Pharaoh. My real dad threw me out the family. So I found me a new dad. He threw me in the pit. He rescued me out the pit. He took my clothes. He gave me new clothes and a job. So Jacob was like, say, bro, I know you're inviting me up in this spot, but I don't know where you really stand. Whose team are you really on? Are you for the nation of Israel and the covenant of God? Or are you for Pharaoh and what he's trying to do? Jacob felt like Joseph was not fully committed to what the overall family goals were, the overall mission was. He felt like Joseph drew a line in the sand and he had a new pops. Imagine working with that, carrying that for 17 years. And his whole issue was, you got to bury me. Don't bury me here. And this was a huge thing because Pharaoh had accepted all of Joseph's family as royalty. So as Egyptian royalty, you get mummified, you get embalmed, you have all this stuff going on in your burial process. You're buried in this uh, stately uh, tomb. You don't go back to some rinky dinky land of Canaan. And get buried in a cave. That's not what you do. But Jacob says, I want to go back there. And it wasn't so much about the burial process as it was about upholding the covenant of God. Because Jacob is like, the nation of Israel has to get back to the promised land that God gave us. So Joseph said, yes, dad. I will do it. I swear to it. And at that point, that's where Jacob felt that Joseph was with him. And that bowing at the head of the bed means now I'm at peace. Now we can move forward. But it was all about holding the covenant of God. Dads, parents, how are we doing when it comes to holding the covenant of God? The covenant of patience, of submission, and forgiveness with our kids. Let's look and see how King Trident responds to his relationship with Ariel. So all Ariel wanted was two legs. That's all she wanted. She just wanted to try it out and see what it was like. But King Triton wasn't having it, man. She was collecting all these human memorabilia items. He trashed it, crushed it. And then his life was in danger and she saved his life. At that point he realized she really is with me. He granted her the ability to have legs, the ability to be a part of the human race. And he says, we will be with you forever. And then ships her off with her new little friend there. (laughs) Well, Mike talked about that last week. I ain't getting into that this week. All right. (laughs) So, you know, he had to work through the way he was feeling about Ariel. And dads, in the same way that our children have to work through their issues with us, write this one down, write this one down, we have to work through our issues with our kids. What is one Christ-like character trait that they have? Just find one. Let me ask you this. What fears do you have about your children? What things may kind of keep you up at night, kind of aggravate you there a little bit? What fears do you have? Fathers, moms, jump in there too. What fears do we have? Technology snafu on the way. Oh, here we go. All right. Following bad leaders, awareness, gun violence, spitting food off. <laughs> that too shall pass. <laughs> that too shall pass. Decision making. Yeah, this is good. Gang affiliation. This is good. I mean, you know, man, this is <laughs> that's why I love the church, man. We get down into it and we talk about what matters. So as we look at these things, can we as dads, we lead this charge here spiritually, can we sit down and listen for understanding? Can we just listen for understanding? We may not agree on everything. We're probably not going to see eye to eye on everything, but can we come to a mutual understanding? Because let me tell you, ultimately, those are God's children. And ultimately, is his plan for their lives, not ours. And that's hard for me, man. I like to control my two back there, boy. They like jumping off and doing what they want to do. As we continue the story here of Joseph and his dad, it gets pretty deep. You ever ask yourself why the 12 tribes of Israel, one of those tribes are not named for Joseph? Ever thought about that? I always wondered about it myself. And when you study out the scriptures and get into a little bit of the eastern perspective of how the scriptures are interpreted, Genesis chapter 48, Genesis chapter 48, verse 5. This is Jacob talking. Now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are. But your offspring that have been born after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the names of their brothers in their inheritance. And so what we have going on here. Jacob has really, finally, truly worked through his feelings with Joseph. You say, Ed, why would you say that? Remember what his kids, Joseph's kids, were named for. To forget his dad. These were kids born in Egypt to an Egyptian woman. They were half Egyptian. That's not how the Jewish people roll, man. They do not commingle. They do not integrate. They don't do that. And so Jacob is like, this is not what I had in, plan, in store for you. This was not my plan for you to be off in here in this place, getting married with this woman and having these kids. But because I see your commitment to me, you are the behor. And the Behor is the chosen son that is to lead the family carry the family's convictions and values and the Bohor gets a double portion of the father's inheritance so what jacob just did was not only bring joseph back in the fold but he says i'm going to give you a double portion of the inheritance which is the nation of israel i'm going to give you two tribes And then I'm going to name them after the children you had in Egypt. Man, y'all got to understand, this is, this don't happen. This don't happen in their culture. Jacob had to work through a lot of feelings and a lot of, this is not the plan that I had for my kids. And it was challenging, but he gave them his double portion just like the Behor is supposed to have. So it would be remiss for me not to be able to talk about my crew. So uh, we'll start with the eldest one first. Sister Kennedy. Sister Kennedy is now driving. I had my teenagers drive me to church this morning. I sat in the back of the car like I was in a limo. But on Father's Day, Satan is always around. Kennedy backed up a little bit too quick and hit my truck this morning. So we are still practicing how to drive. So my Father's Day started out good. And then Brother Grant Brother Grant, Brother Grant, Brother Grant, where you are, Brother Grant? You wanted to know when your time is. Your time is now. <laughs> so during the end of the pandemic, Grant was trying to just figure out what he wanted to do. Thought he was going to be a gamer. He was in the game just all day long, Fortnite. And then Grant came upon this activity that he was very passionate about. And Grant was passionate about competition cheerleading. Well, I'm glad y'all are much as accepting I was struggling. Because <laughs> it just wasn't what I the plan that I had for my son. Grant couldn't do a backflip if you gave him a million dollars, man. He definitely couldn't hold up no girl. I mean, the dude, the little scrawny little dude, how you going to do this, man? And so it was a challenge for me. My wife really helped me to work through, amen, to the sisters in this church and how they partner with their husbands and men to say, Ed, if you don't sit down and be open-minded, you're going to crush them, and you're going to shut him out. And I had to work through it, and dads, you have to work through it as well. And what's powerful is the men in this church are working through it. There are brothers that are in my life that I'm like, man, you are fighting to really allow your kid to go through things, to kind of make some tough decisions. And they are struggling right there with me. But because of Jesus, they have an open mind and an open heart. Can we love and support our children without compromising our convictions, right? In a loving way. Because we may want them to do things our way, but sometimes God is telling us, can you allow them to be a little different than you? Because if we do allow them to be a little different, it's okay. It will allow us to be a family united. Repeat after me, family united United. a family united can change and mobilize generations now and to come a family united can even influence generations that are not even a part of your blood lineage and we see this very powerful but very obscure section in the scriptures that really speaks to that in the conclusion of the story of jacob and joseph Genesis chapter 50, Let's turn over a little bit to the right there. Genesis chapter 50, this is the burial uh, procession of Jacob. Genesis chapter 50, verse 7. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went all of the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and all the household of Jacob, and his brothers, and his father's household. They left only their little ones and their flocks and their herds in the land of Goshen. There also went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. So Joseph had to step out there and put his relationship with Pharaoh on the line. It was not customary for royalty again to be buried in a little cave. And Joseph was like, man, if I ask Pharaoh to go against their culture, I may lose out on what I've gained. But he went up and he asked. He said, I swore to my dad. Pharaoh said, the only reason I'm going to let you do it is because you swore to him. But Pharaoh agreed. And not only did he agree, he sent the whole army with him. He sent all of his servants with him. This is amazing because this is what God really wanted. He wanted the Jews and the Gentiles to be together, united, moving forward. And it's amazing to see, you know, just the camaraderie, right? And so when they enter into the land of Canaan, everything is not hunky-dory. According to the Midrash, which is the uh, Old Testament Jewish interpretation commentary on the scriptures, it talks about the Canaanites and the Ishmaelites. This clan was ready for war. Well, why were they ready for war, Jackson? What's the big deal? They got their land? Well, leave people alone. Well, remember Canaan and what he did with Abel, he was kicked out of the family. We remember Ishmael and Hagar, they were kicked out of the family. So these were dispossessed kids, kicked out by their ancestor fathers. And so these are the answers of children that says, we want some retribution, Jack. Y'all coming up in here? Y'all think this is going to be good? Nah, it's going down. And so they were fired up. They were ready to go to war. We'll pick it up in verse 10. When they came to the threshing floor of Adad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and sorrowful lamentation. And he observed seven days of mourning for his father. Now when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Adad, they said, this is a grievous mourning for the Egyptians. Therefore... It was named abel mezram which is beyond the Jordan. So the Canaanites and the Israelites, man, they came to fight. They came to get it on. They were going to kill Joseph and all of his clan and the Egyptians. They were like, well, hey, man, Joseph might actually be with us. He got kicked out of the family, too. He's dispossessed, too. He's just like us. See what happens when they do us like this? But what they saw, the interpretation is what they saw, they saw Joseph's crown sitting on Jacob's coffin. And they knew that represented that Joseph and Jacob had moved on to forgiveness, reconciliation, and unity. They were a family united. So then that made the Canaanites step back. Said, man, this is a very grievous situation. Jacob was kicked out, but he reconciled. He's back in the family. We should do the same thing. So the interpretation goes they took off their crowns and then they line Jacob's casket with their crowns. And the threshing floor of Adad, Adad means. Thorn bush. So if you can envision all those crowns kind of looks like a thorn bush or a crown of thorn bush. And where have we known about a crown of a thorn bush? This is absolutely amazing that God was speaking to us through hidden treasures. Hidden treasures in the scriptures. And this crown of thorns. So this, oh shoot, this thing right here is sharp. Kennedy tried to pick it up yesterday and stabbed herself. So this is a real crown of thorns from Jerusalem. This is what they made Jesus' crown out of the material in that land. And so this crown of thorns represents Jesus and the strength that he gives us to work through our feelings about one another to have forgiveness, reconciliation, and unity. We saw what happened with Ariel and King Trident. I recently told my dad I was going to share about him and our relationship the good, the bad, the ugly. And he started to cry on the phone with me. I haven't heard my dad cry in almost 50 years. And then when we look at Brother Grant, Brother Grant, man, that dude took eight, nine months, was training like a wild man, working out, going to camps, getting his grind on. And so it wasn't what I thought my son was going to do. But let me tell you, what I saw is determination. What I saw was deliberate. What I saw was intentionality. What I saw was self-discipline. What I saw was perseverance. I don't know about y'all, but that's in the Bible. That kind of looks like Jesus to me. God gives us a way to work through it, brothers and sisters, so that we can be united with our children. And it's through the crown of Jesus that we're able to do it. This crown allows all of us dads to be able to be kings. And one thing about a king is his ultimate goal is to make a difference in the lives of the people that he leads. That crown was responsible for the bloodshed that allows us to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. This crown allowed us to be a part of a royal priesthood if we so choose to follow the way of Jesus. So I ask you, I plead with you, if you have not started following Jesus the way Jesus says, we invite you into a relationship with him, a journey with him, because this crown will allow you to be united. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy Father, thank you for this opportunity, God. To be with you, Father, to be able to go to some depths of some places that we probably haven't been in a while to talk about our Father. But God, you are the good, good Father. Let us leave here today knowing that you are our primary Father and you have empowered other men in our lives to be able to help us be like you. We are so grateful for the children that you have blessed us with, Father's We're so grateful, God, that you have blessed us as dads to be able to pour back into our kids. Let us be open. Let us have a heart of forgiveness, God. Let us understand that everything won't be like what we think, but that we can come to a mutual agreement to surrender to you and love you. Father, as we celebrate dads today, we know that dads go through a lot. This society puts a lot on dads and tries to tear them down. But here in this church, Father, you have given us a great example of men who are ready to love you and be on the battlefield for you, for their families. In your holy son's name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about the path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.